morning, I want to take just a few minutes. We have kind of done things. I love being able to be here at the church to where we can just take our time and uh, go to wor- into worship and minister and just love on people, and we don't have to, you know, follow the clock so closely. Service starts at 7, right? Is that correct? 7 tonight? No service tonight? Okay. Monday through Friday? Okay. Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock. Turn your neighbor and say 7 o'clock. Come be here with us, and I'll tell you why. I'm doing something here this week that I may have done one other time uh, since 1999. And so this is very special for me uh, because the Lord gave. How many of you have been in Pastor Rodney's meetings over the years? And, and in his meetings, if you were there for the morning meetings during the week, he, he taught on the anointing. And he would share with you on on the realms of glory, okay? My wife and I, the hallmark of our family and our ministry is worship. Uh, I'm going to give you some homework. If you get a chance, and I think it's still on YouTube, if you go to Pastor Joel Osteen there at Lakewood Church and look at February the 28th of this year, that Sunday, because our family, uh, my brothers and sisters, my mom, uh, my sister Cindy is the blonde, and she's been with Pastor Joel leading worship there. Now, Pastor Joel's wife also is a blonde, so don't get them confused. But my sister Cindy has been a part of the worship team there for over 20 years. And so she, she has been there ministering. And so uh, when my dad, my dad passed away in June uh, in the middle of COVID, not because he had COVID. Uh, he was 90 years of age, and he just said, I'm ready to go home. And so we had a glorious home going, but in the middle of COVID, uh, Lakewood was not even having services. And he gave us their auditorium that seats 18,000, all of their resources, all of their television crew and everyone, and they celebrated my dad. And we had the service there in the sanctuary, full military honors, the whole thing. He was a, a, a pilot in the Air Force, served in, the, uh, in Korea. And, and everything, but it was just a powerful time, and, and we captured it, that on video, and that's another thing I could show you and tell you about later, but the main thing, I want you to go see it, because my, our daughter, Allison, we have three children, we have two sons and a daughter, and our daughter, Allison, sang with Cindy and the Lakewood team to start the service off, and then the five siblings, the, the first gen, I guess you would say, we then came up and did an old hymn and, and then moved into another current song with everyone. And we ministered for about 40 minutes and did the service for the, the, there at Lakewood. And then Pastor Joel came up and finished the service like he always does. Because of that, Pastor Rodney saw it. And Pastor Rodney called me on the phone crying, Joel. My brother, I can't believe, you know, going through all this stuff. He said, you got to come to Tampa and do that in July. I said, Pastor Rodney, there were 40 of us on the platform. He said, I don't care. He said, bring them all. He said, they're all coming. So it's our, the tickets are already purchased. He's already done that. So we're going to spend Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at summer camp meeting. And we're doing the worship and all of my siblings and then our kids and the grandkids. So it's, it's going to be, and he's capturing it all multi-track. 
And so we're going to have all kinds of stuff come out of it that we've been dreaming of. So the kids are putting together their song lists. And, and so on any given Sunday, there's 27 or 28 of us that are in church leading worship. So thou, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, two of our nieces and nephews are now on staff at Gateway. They're with Pastor Robert Morris, so they're leading every Sunday. Our son Jody and his wife are at one of the branches of Gateway at uh, Prosper, Texas. So uh, all the nieces and nephews, it's going to be a fabulous, powerful time. So the hallmark of our family has been around the heart of worship. The Cruz family sang back in the 70s when we traveled and toured and came up this way and did Jesus Northwest back in the day with Carmen and all those guys. We were there. We did all of that. I had... I had, a, I had a full mullet. I had a full mullet down to here. Curly. I mean, you know, anyway. So, yeah, there are pictures out there. You know, the baggy pants. My brother had, it's all there. The girls had the big hair. It's all there. So, I'm setting you up for something. So, I'm going to do a, a series of messages this week. And, and I don't know how they'll all fall, fall together and everything around the heart of free to worship. And the word free, if you've got your notes, the word free is an acronym for the fall of man, the restoration of man, establishing of a new covenant, and eternal worship. So I'll say that again. The F of the word free is the fall of man. We're going to talk about that tomorrow night. And then the R of the word free is the restoration of man. What happened? For man to be redeemed. What is it to be redeemed? What is it to walk in redemption? What is released in our lives whenever we receive what Christ did for us on the cross? And then the, the, the establishing on that new covenant in the believer. Knowing who you are in Christ. A lot of people today, they, they vacillate. They're like, they're like a roller coaster in their life because they don't know who they are. When you realize who you are in Christ... And what's been placed on the inside of you. And the authority and the power. You know, how many athletes do we have here today? You played high school football or whatever or volleyball, ladies, guys, whoever you are. Back in Texas, we call it mojo. Mojo. You got put your get your mojo on. You know, and, and it's, it's, that, it's that attitude. It is, it is an attitude. It is a, a way of life, a way of looking at things. I've got steely blue eyes, and I can cut you in half of my eyes. I promise you. And, and I have to be careful. <laughs> Mama said I've been the recipient of those. And, and, you know, honestly, when you walk in a room as, as, a, as, a, as a leader, uh, as a pastor, you can change the whole atmosphere of the office just by the way you walk in the room. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you can. People don't know who they are. You know, uh, well, I, I'm afraid if I go to this place, well, you know, people know what I am. No, no, no. I was a preacher's kid growing up in school. I didn't have to say one word. They know who I was and what I stood for. And I, I would go to parties at times after the football game, and I've had parties dismantle and go to another person's house because I walked in. Not because I said anything or didn't. I wanted to be a part of what was going on. I didn't know any better. But simply because of who I was and what I represented made them uncomfortable. And not only that, the presence and the power of God that was on my life, God was not going to allow me to go too far because his hand was on me. Now, I had a choice in the matter. 
But there was still the anointing of God, even on, on David's life as a young boy. He didn't become king till 20-some-odd years after he was called. He didn't understand the authority that he walked in, but he did see it demonstrated with a lion and the bear and with a giant. So many times the anointing of God comes on us, and we don't even know what it's there for. Come on, somebody. So there was a fall. But there was the restoration of man. God didn't leave us in that fallen state. He gave us a redeemer. Come on, somebody. Jesus, our redeemer. And he established a covenant. You're a part of the body of Christ. You're a part of a company. And it's a better covenant than the one that the children of Israel had. But let me just say this. The principles are the same. In the fact that if they followed false gods, what happened? They began to regress and they found themselves in bondage. But if they had a king that followed after God, God would go before that king and, and, and they had favor. And can I tell you this? This is a little secret. Favor ain't fair. Favor is not fair. I love it. And then the last E is eternal worship. You see, there are going to be a lot of people, even some preachers, they're going to get to heaven, and they're not going to know what to do. Because I don't know how many millions of years we're going to do it, but we're just going to be in worship. Because the Son Himself, the light of that place is going to be Jesus. Oh, kalabashaleh. You know, have you ever seen an orchestra? And before the orchestra ever starts their performance, first chair violin. You ever been to see one? First chair violin steps up. And the, the guys are all playing around and messing around. But then first chair violin, they all tune to her or to him. And everybody, they've been going everywhere. They all tune up. And then the downbeat. And everything's in tune. First chair violinist. I sing tenor in choir. I won't be first chair. I've been practicing a long time. When I get to heaven, I, I don't care if I'm last chair, but I'm going to be, I'm front row Joe. Okay, I'm front row Joe. I'm going to be on the front row. I don't like the back row. I like the front row. I like to be close. I just I like to be close because I'm one of those that I interact. I like to interact with the preacher. I really do. I love, I mean, it's just a part of who I am. You know, if, I was, if I'm in the stands and the kids are playing and one of my boys, come on, Johnny. One day my son said, Dad, because I told him, you know, when we started traveling with Pastor Rodney, I said, Mom, I'm going to have to do some traveling. I said, now, you boys can finish out school and all that if you want. And I said, then in summertime, because Dad, he said, Dad, listen. He said, it ain't fun playing if you're not there. That's what he said. And he was good. But he said, it's not fun if you're not there. And then he told me, he said, Dad, I'm not going to do this the rest of my life. He said, my life's in ministry. He said, we're ready to go. His coach told me, he said, he said uh, Pastor Cruz, he said, you do know you're taking your son out of school here. He said, he's up for all state honors. I said, that's awesome, Coach. I said, that's fantastic. But I said, he's got a call of God on his life. 
And he chose. I didn't choose for him. He chose. He chose. So our family, I thank God for my earthly family. And the hallmark of who we are is around the heart of worship. And so this week, I want to just drop some things. And it's not just, you know, worship is not just a song. Can I say that? So, so those of you that say, well, I don't sing, so I'm not coming. It has nothing to do with singing. It has to do with an attitude of the heart. That's what worship is truly about. It's an attitude of the heart. And so when we come before God, we come before him humbly. We, we come prostrate before There are a lot of positions of worship. But the biggest one is, is that we come with an open heart so that God can lead us and guide us into everything we do. That person with a heart of worship, God will be able to speak to you, and it will affect every aspect of your life, the business that you have. And as a worshiper, God will show you whenever a pandemic is coming, and he'll show you how to open another stream of income. And through the whole pandemic, when the world is having a plutz, you're being blessed. Come on now, to the worshiper, the one who knows how to get a hold of the horns of the altar. God will prepare them for what's coming. He'll show you what's happening out there and and make a way where there is no way. And so this morning, I'm just going to talk a little bit about creation. And then when we come tomorrow night, we'll start on the first one, which is the fall of man, and we'll get into all of that. But I want you to understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Yes, you are. Come on. Yes, you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I laughingly tell everybody, when I start this process, we're going to go from one part of the Bible from the very beginning to the very end, okay? When we finish this process, we will have gone to the book of Revelation to the last chapter. But we're going to start here at the very beginning today. So if you have your Bible, look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. People say, where do you see Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Right here. I'm going to show you from the very first few scriptures. You ready? Look at verse 26. And God said, turn to your neighbor and say, God said. Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, make mankind in our image. Come on, somebody. You are made in the image of God. You just won some little... um, um, a little amoeba out here, you know, in the, in the creek bed out here, and you begin to wiggle your tail, and finally two legs sprouted, and, and you finally crawled out, you know, and, and, and then you begin to hop around. No. No. Not just some big bang, and all of a sudden there you were. No. You were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Almighty God. The plan of God. This earth. He made it. And he placed us in it. Look at this. God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority. Another word is dominion. He didn't say a little authority. He said complete authority. God gave Adam and Eve authority over everything that he had made. Whatever they said, that's what went. That's the way it was. That's the way it was. Complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beasts over all the earth, and over everything, turn your neighbor and say everything, that creeps upon the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Now, I know some people don't like this next part, but he said male and female, he made them. I didn't say that, God did. 
Okay? And, and listen, my plumb bob. Anybody know what a plumb bob is? How many men here know what a plumb bob is? Okay? It's a piece of metal with a little pointed end at the end of it, and it has a little hook at the top where you place a string, and you take that string, and however tall it is, if you let it sit there long enough, the weight of that plumb bob will stop, and it will show you the exact point you need to start from. This book is our plumb bob. And, it's, and let me tell you something. It's never changed. It will never change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this book will never, will never pass away. And, and the problem is, is that people want to take a little bit of this book, a little bit of that book, a little bit of this philosophy and that philosophy, and they want to make themselves a way of life. And that's where we have a problem. Whenever you understand that you are made, you were created in the image of Almighty God. Without Him, there was not anything made. And if you don't believe He's the one who controls everything, hold your breath and, and just see how long you last. He so creatively made you that you can hold your breath till you pass out. But then He puts something, mechanism on the inside of you that the moment you pass out and you lose control, your body will go, <clears throat> and breath will come back in it. Man's dominion. This is our dominion. The earth is ours and the fullness thereof. But what we're going to find out tomorrow night is there were some things that happened. And Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, was released, given dominion over this after Adam and Eve made a mistake. After they fell in the garden. And they gave, they handed their dominion back to, to the devil. That creative process. Another thing you need to understand. The devil has never created anything. He cannot. He's a fallen angel. He was created to do something. And, what, and here's the thing. You know what makes him so mad? We took his place. He was the voice piece of heaven. The Bible says he had all the pipes. My son Ryan, our middle son, can play all kinds of instruments. Those kind of people just make me sick. It's like, give it to him for five or six weeks, he can play. Doesn't matter what it is. It's just like it's, it's in him. He it carries his mama's DNA. It's just like it's in him. Whatever he touches, he can play. That's the way that the devil was. But here's the problem. The devil wanted the credit. The devil wanted the credit. God told him what to do, and there came a time when the devil said, no, I want to tell you what to do. And here's the bad part. He had enough authority. He had enough power that he took a third of innumerable with him. First church split was in heaven. And a third of innumerable, the, 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 the angels that God created to praise him, to declare his goodness, decided they would follow the fallen angel because he was powerful. And the sounds he made, that's why it's, it's important. The, the music you listen to, things like that, it is important. Come on, somebody. I love all kinds of stuff. 80s rock and roll is the best music ever made. I don't care what anybody says. Journey, Orleans, come on. Doesn't matter. I love them all. You got to reach a little bit higher. It's great music, man. It's awesome stuff. But some of it won't take you any place you want to go. Yeah. 
So music can move people. And that's another thing we have to be careful of. Music can be soulful. Soulful means soulish. Okay? And so it can move you. So we have to be careful about those kinds of things. But God created man in his own image. In the likeness of God, he created him male and female. Dominion. God gave man dominion. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We're going to skip along here. Seven verse, uh, uh, Genesis 2, verse 7 through 10. The Bible says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or the spirit of life. When my dad went home to be with Jesus, that old earthly house was laying there. You know, it's amazing, Pastor. I don't know if you've ever been around saints that love Jesus. But when my dad passed, the most beautiful fragrance filled the room. And it wasn't my dad's. It was not my dad's perfume. I had my family. I said, come smell your father. Come smell your grandpa. I said, smell the aroma. And so I asked the nurse. She said, this does happen. She said, it's some of the things as our body is, is you know, whatever it is. But she said the hormones and all of those things, that whenever, they're, whenever a person passes on to be with Jesus, they're released in their bodies. It was the most beautiful. And my brother and I got to prepare my dad before we handed him over to the corner to take him to have him prepared. Shaved, bathed him. I felt like Arthur and Mary taking care of Jesus and getting him ready. I did. It was a precious time, man. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was fun. It was great. But that was just my dad's house. When my dad left, he wasn't the same. All that humor and everything else is just a piece of clay. The heart of my dad. We were sitting there worshiping in the room, just having a great time. And my brother had his hand on dad's chest, and I had my hand up on his shoulder, and we're just singing along. And John looked over at me, and he said, he said, Joe, he said, you might want to pray over dad. He said, let's just release him. He said, He's, he's, he's wanting to go. And so I just prayed over him. I said, Dad, we love you. Thank you for your testimony. And I said, we love you, but, Dad, we release you. And then I looked at my mom, and I said, Mom? I said, pray over Dad before he goes. So she leaned up. She kissed him. She said, Honey, I don't want to do this. But she said, I would be selfish. She said, I'm going to release you now to go on home. He took two breaths, and he's gone. No struggle, no nothing. He's gone. And all of us, you know, we're crying, and we're, it's tough. But the nurse, hospice nurse that had been there through the whole thing, she's sitting over watching the whole thing. And all of a sudden, you see this. <laughs> She's supposed to. And they all turned around and looked at her and said, oh, what's her name? I can't, remember. I can't remember what her name was. She said, they said, are you okay, sweetheart? She said, I ain't never seen anything like that in my entire life. Well, I'm, I, listen. So for the next 35, 40 minutes, my dad has just passed. He's laying on the bed by himself, all of our family is over here ministering to this lady, and they lead her to Christ. They lead her to Christ. And stuff that had happened to her, and she had gotten bitter with family members and all this stuff, and right there we just had revival. See, even in my dad's death, 
people are being born again. It doesn't stop because you're having a funeral. Matter of fact, Jesus thought it was kind of cute. They were paying people to mourn for the, 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 the lady whose boy had died or daughter had died, whatever it was. And so Jesus said, I'm going to stop this. He just walks over and takes her by the hand, and she gets up, and everybody went, we're not going to get paid. <laughs> Put it back into the thing. I want to get paid because they paid mourners. They would pay them to mourn. And the more money you had, the more mourners you could pay. That's the, that's the way the tradition was. Somebody ain't going to get paid. All right. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathing into his nostrils the breath of the spirit of life, and man became a living soul. Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. The word Eden is delight. When you, <laughs> when you live in the glory realms of God, you're living in Eden because that was the whole purpose of the garden was for man to live and commune with Almighty God. He made him in his image, and God wanted him to enjoy what he enjoyed. He made us to have fellowship with him, and he gave us everything he thought we would ever want or ever desire. God called it a land of delight. That's why I love Brother Eric's place, a land of delight. He calls it Eden. Eden, the word means delight. And there he put the man whom he had formed, framed, and constituted. And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasing to the, in, the, in his sight or to be desired, good, suitable, and pleasant for food. If you live in the presence and the glory realms of God, you will have everything you ever desire. You'll never lack anything. Why? Because it's a land of delight. Everything you desire, anything that is good, God is good. And he has everything good for you. Sickness and disease didn't enter the earth until man sinned. Man was never meant to die. Or to have sickness and disease. And he was never meant to toil. God provided it all. He didn't have to plan a thing. I get a little mad at Adam every now and then. <laughs> Bro, you messed it up. You idiot. We'll have fun with this tomorrow. I promise you, we're going to have fun with this tomorrow. When you get down to Adam and Eve and all the stuff that took place, you know, well, anyway, we'll talk about that tomorrow. It's funny. Every tree was planted. It was beautiful to God's sight, and it was beautiful for food. Look at this. The tree of life also was in the center of the garden. This is important. And also the tree of the knowledge of the difference between good and evil, blessing and calamity. So the tree of life and then the tree of good and evil. Verse 10. And then I love this next part. People think all this river stuff is something Pastor Rodney came up with. No. Look at verse 10. And now a river went from Eden 
to water the garden. And from there, it divided and became four rivers. And I can, we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Look at verses 15 through 20. We're going to skip down. And the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden. Look at this. Write these three words down. To tend, to guard, and to keep. He didn't put the woman there to do that. He put that responsibility on the man. Now, please don't get mad at me, ladies, because your part's coming. You're not, a, you're not second. You're not under the man's foot. You came from his side. I'm not going to get into all that today. We're going to have lunch, have fun in a minute. But listen to what I'm saying. And the Lord took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to tend, to guard, and to keep. And that's something that every husband, every young man who wants to be a husband, every young man that ever grows from a seed into a man needs to understand that your, God, your job is to learn how to tend, to guard, and to keep. And it'll cost you something to stand up to do that. There's a lot I could say about that right now. But I want to keep Joe in the room, okay? <laughs> the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, blessing and calamity, you shall not eat. For in the day that you do eat it, you will surely die. So the moment that you eat of that tree, the moment you put that fruit in your mouth, you will begin to die. Man was never meant to die. We were never meant to have an, what do you call this, a carnal death. We were made in the image of God. We are spirit, and our spirit man, when God allowed that spirit to come into that first uh, cell as it splits, when the seed and the uh, the, the 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 seed and the egg come together, and it first splits, the spirit of man comes in. God drops it in that seed, and we become a living soul. And from that point on, you will never die, ever. You will live into eternity. It's a sobering thought, but we are not here coming out of the little creek over here as a little worm. You are. Wonderfully made in the image of Almighty God. And the world wants to try and minimize that. And, and, and people that you hang around. There's certain people I don't hang around because they don't know who they are. And I spend all my time trying to build them up. After a while I go, have fun. Just have fun. Just have fun. I don't see the glass half empty. I've never seen a glass half empty. It's at least half full. At least. You know why? Because I know who I am in Christ. I know where I came from. I'm not supposed to sing. I wasn't supposed to do any of these things. I was 5'9 when I graduated from high school. I grew four inches after I got out. I said, Lord, why? He said, I didn't want you distracted because I love to play football. 
I love to play sports. I wasn't real big, but I would pop you in the mouth. But God said, I don't want you distracted. I've got a call on your life. There's something I want you to do. And he dropped that anointing in my life. I didn't know what it was. People, I mean, I had favor in high school singing. I didn't know what it was. My dad, I guess, heard something at age nine, put me in some boys' choir in West Texas. And, and, and the man who actually do, was doing the choir was an artist in residence and had done choirs like the Vienna Boys Choir and all that stuff. He was like, big, big shot. And I got two years under him. Didn't know who, what. I go to high school. Go through high school. Mike, uh, instructor there in the high school. He ends up my senior year going to Texas A&M University as the dean of the choral department. The whole thing. I had two and a half years under him. God was preparing me for my future, and I had no idea what it was about. And then my mom and dad, we start traveling the year that I'm 18, and Becky is 15 years of age down in the valley, and, and my dad, she's playing for a Hispanic quartet. Dad hears her playing and goes to her parents. My dad's a bold man. He said, would you allow your daughter to come and travel with us because we're going to start traveling and doing revival meetings? She's 15 years old. What would you say? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. But the summer after that, her mom, Becky walks in the room, and her mom was having a little illness or something. She was in the doctor's office over there in the hospital, and her mom was crying. Becky thought something was bad. She had got a bad report. She walks in the room, and, Mom, are you okay? And her mother said, we didn't know God was going to call you so soon, but we knew. She started playing when she was five. Every week. From the age of 5 to 15, 10 years, they took her 50 miles one way, 50 miles back for her piano lesson every week. Knowing that the anointing of God was on her. God brings her to our family at the age of 15. The purpose and the plan, being a part of God's creation. You're not here by accident. You're here because God placed, you're not even here in Bremerton because I by accident. You're here by divine appointment of God. Adam was in that garden. God, he didn't even have a belly button. He's the first one. Yeah, you're going to know who Adam and Eve are in heaven because they're the ones without a belly button. But anyway. All right, you ready? Let me finish this up. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and blessing and calamity, you will not eat of that. For in the day you do, you'll surely die. Now the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper, a helpmeet, suitable, adapted, and complementary for him. Some of you guys are going, man, I married the wrong one. No, you did. If you did, it's your fault. Because he's made one suitable for you. A perfect helpmeet. And Adam gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the air, every wild. Well, I don't want, I better, I skip verse 19. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every wild beast and living creature of the field and every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Dominion. 
Adam got to name every bird, even the dodo, all the birds, everything. He got to name them all, every creature. He got to name them. Have you ever seen one? They're, they look about like that. They're kind of different. The kiwi, uh, anyway, they're, they're, they look pr- pretty wild. It's pretty neat. And, and Adam gave them names to all the livestock and to the birds of the air and to every wild beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper meet or help meet for him. All right, verse 21, there in chapter 2, the Bible says this, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs or part of his side and closed up that place with flesh. And the rib or part of his side which the Lord God had taken from the man, he built up and made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, Whoa, man. That's not what he said. He said, and Adam said, this creature is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. But I promise you, if I'd have been there, that's what I'd have said. I'd have said, whoa, man. (laughs) Have you ever noticed this? In the animals and the birds, the male is the most beautiful. But in the human race, (laughs) the opposite. The female is the most beautiful. I promise you. God did it on purpose, guys. That's good and bad. If you think everything flows through your wife's eyes, you're wrong. It doesn't. But for the guys, good and bad, most all of that flows through our eyes. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful. You have to guard, tend, guard, and keep. All right? Good stuff. All right. So anyway, we'll keep going. So uh, let's see here. Therefore, let's see. Adam said this, this creature is now born of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall become united and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's so many things here that I could talk about, but becoming one flesh. When you are born again, that's why they call it the new birth, because we become one with the one who made us. We become one. That's why it's important that we have the marriage ceremony for couples. And the world doesn't like that. They just, just live together, all of that. There are certain things that happen. When, and, and, and I don't want to get too deep in here. We do have some young people here, but I am going to share a couple of things real quick, and then I'll bring this to a close because we'll get into the fall and all that tomorrow. But here's the thing. Whenever you have sex, I didn't say make love. I said have sex. A couple of things take place. There is an exchange of blood. Should parents close their kids' ears? If you need to do that, you can. And whenever you have that that, that encounter, there is a soul tie that takes place. God made it that way. God made it that way. But he did it, but but he had that, that, that unique relationship of becoming one with your mate, with your helpmate. That's why whenever we become born again with Christ, he talks about guys, ladies, we're the bride of Christ. He is our groom. He is our husbandman. He is our husband. And it's weird because, you know, I'm a guy. But the thing is that, that, that we are to become 
one with him. The more the word of God comes into our heart and we realize who we are, that relationship begins to grow. It's not showing up at church once a month. Because Let me just say it this way. If all I did with my, this lady over here was once a month, I showed up at the house and went, hey, buddy, you the one. Yo. About after about six months, she's going to go, yo, no more. I know what you say, but there's no outward expression that really we are one. And it's the way it is with the body of Christ. We want all of the, the benefits of family. We want all the benefits of an inheritance. But we don't want to pay the price for that relationship. That's why... Uh, understanding what God did at creation. When He made us, He made us in His image. And He did that because He wanted a counterpart. And He placed Adam in the garden. And, he, and listen, as, as empty as God's heart was for us, God knew Adam's heart would be empty for him. And it's the same way it is with us as the body of Christ. We need one another. It's not just we need you in the nursery. We need you to vacuum. Thank you, young man who vacuumed. It's not about just vacuuming the floor. We need one another. We complete one another. And what's hurting, that's why the enemy in this pandemic, if he can shut down the church, then he can stop our relationships. I remember a time as a young boy whenever the church was the social hub of the community. I don't care what tag, you know, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, whatever. It didn't matter it's because where we were in, in our small towns in West Texas, if the Methodists had a revival, we went. My grandmother was a Methodist, and she remembers the Brush Arbor days of the turn of the 19, of 1900s whenever they had tongue-talking Methodists. People healed, set free, and delivered. People running the building. Not fighting over whether we're going to have a we believe in homosexuality. Give me a break. There was power. Catholics. Tongue-talking Catholics. Yeah. I remember one time a man got saved. I was, I think I was three and a half, four years old. I remember this. And in, in, in back when my dad was pastoring in, in East Texas. And a man they'd been praying for for years. Walked down the aisle and got saved. And I remember three elderly ladies jumping up and shouting and running in the back of the Baptist church. And my dad tells me, he said, you got up and walked back and said, y'all all right? Because I had never heard that before. I didn't know what happened to him. Y'all all right? Some churches today, you did that. Y'all all right? Yeah, we're free. We're free. We're free. We're free. We're free. But he gave him a helpmeet. And the Bible says they became one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not embarrassed or ashamed in each other's presence. They were not ashamed because sin had not come in and perverted that union. One last scripture, and I'm going to close for today. Look at Psalm chapter 8 and verse 6. 
Psalm chapter 8 and verse 6. And there are a lot of other passages here that we could look at, just reference passages. But the Bible said, the Bible says there, let me just turn over there real quick. Psalm chapter 8. If you have to go to work, I understand. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Pastor said, take our time. And he said, we have gotten finished. We have finished it sometimes after 1 o'clock, but I'm not going to keep you that long. I promise. <laughs> Let's just start reading there, verse 1. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent, majestic, glorious is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and unweaned infants, you have established strength because of your foes, that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. When I view and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained and established, what is man that you are mindful of him? That God would allow my mom and dad to come together. <laughs> and that he would choose to put me in them. When I was growing up, I vowed I'd never look like my dad. I'd never sound like my dad. I ain't going to walk like my dad. I'm going to be me. Guess what? Of all my siblings, I look like my dad. I talk like my dad. I walk like my dad. And I sound like my dad. Even when I, even when I sign my name, Joe Cruz III, it looks like my dad's handwriting. Pretty crazy pretty crazy but who is man who are you that he's mindful of you just think about that he loves you so much he knows exactly who you are where you are what you've gone through stuff you have to deal with and yeah it's not fun a lot of it this fallen world out here it's a mess but we still have dominion just because we don't take authority doesn't mean we don't have it. And we're going to learn how to do that. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of earth-born man that you care for him? Yet you have made him but a little lower than God. Hulabesheke. Rabasta. He has given you a crown. You carry the crown of the king. You carry in your body the DNA of the most high God. And no earthly man can take that from you. Somebody's getting a, a, a picture of who they are. Yet you have made him a little lower than God. Or any angel or any being. And you have crowned him with glory 
and honor. On your crown is glory and honor, just like Jesus. You know the word Christian, you know what it means? Little Christ. You are, you are made in the perfect image of your brother, Jesus. You're, you're a stamped copy of your brother, Jesus. You're a joint heir with him. You're not third, fourth generation. You're a son and a daughter of the most high God. Lemonosite. You may not even know who your earthly mom and dad are, who they were. You may have been adopted. We've all been adopted. We've all been grafted in. We're just like you. Now, I understand this is also speaking of Jesus Christ. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And as we will read as we get on into this, having that, uh, that covenant reestablished and set forth, Rabasta. The Bible says that I've been seated together with him in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You have to know who you are. But if the devil can keep you in the dark, I know homeless men that are actually millionaires. But they made a choice not to take one dime of their family's money because they like living in sin. They like living a life hiding, trapped. There's some believers that they might as well be homeless, living under a bridge somewhere because they have no idea their inheritance, and who they are in Christ. They have no idea. I don't go to church because I have to. Even when I'm off. I, I know evangelists that that's their life. They never go to church when they're home. They don't have a home church. And they've been married two and three and four times. Their kids hate church. They hate the move of God. Because it's not their heart. It's their livelihood. It's not their heart. Because if you're a worshiper, if you're free to worship, you go worship. You'll find a hill to go worship. You'll find a place to worship. You'll be, you'll be at a business meeting in Cabo, and you'll have church on Sunday. And you'll use the members-only pool, and you'll do a baptismal service while they're all watching how dare you use our pool? Yes. We just took over. 150 of us. Why? We have dominion. Favor ain't fair. That's why whenever you're in a business meeting, now this is the truth. 
You're in a business meeting, you go, oh, I hope this goes well. I just don't know if I've got it all perfectly right. You're, you're a son of the most high God. You've done your part. God will do his part. And you go in there and he, the guy already said, I've seen all the paperwork. I'm just a little, no, I'm not going to do this. But he gets in there and under the unction of the Holy Ghost and the presence of God is beaming off of you like a lightning bolt. He goes, yes. And then he looks at his partner and goes, did I say yes? <laughs> Favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. Hallelujah. Favor ain't fair. He made you to have dominion over the works of your hands. Look at your hands. I want you to say this. These are God's hands. And we're going to talk about some things. The Bible says in, the book, in Psalm 24, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Psalm 27 talks about a lot of the same things. Clean hands and a pure heart. If you're a worshiper, you cannot come before the presence of Almighty God and carry crap. Can't do it. Don't live like the devil six days a week and then come give God his 30 minutes. No, you're going to find yourself waking up every morning in the blessing of the Lord. You know, Lord, this is your day. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be upon my lips. Lord, Bacon and I, we wake up so many mornings. Just We don't ever get out of bed. Just That starts a lot of wonderful mornings, I want to tell you right now. I'm serious. Start the day worshiping. Giving him praise. You were made for this. Turn to your neighbor and say, I was made for this. I was created to carry his praise. To change the atmosphere of my surroundings. When you walk into the grocery store, I'm serious. There have been so many wonderful opportunities. I'm Becky and I, we'll be walking down the grocery line many times late at night at a Walmart. You know, we get into a new place. We're going to grab a few things, and, and we'll be there. And, and here's a mom, single mom, kids sitting in the basket, two hanging on either side. And as she's walking down every aisle, the kids are grabbing what they like. And here's what she would say, no, come on, we can't afford that. Put that back. You, can't, you don't need that. Put it. We can't afford that. I'm watching it all. So Becky and I, we're following along behind. I just, uh, she said, we got what we need. I said, I know. I know. And I'm putting it in my basket. So we get around, and I just followed her all the way up there to the, to the front, and she's got her two or three things, and now she's trying to make sure she's got enough cash that she can pay for it. And finally, I walked up, and I said, so, I said ma'am, I said, if you don't mind, I said, I, I, please, if you don't mind, I want to I buy your groceries tonight. She, Why are you doing that? I said, because I want to. Do you mind if I bless you? Okay. And then I started taking all that stuff those kids had pulled out and she put back. And I said, and put this on her bill, please. And put this on hers. And, put this. and all the kids are going. <laughs> so we just loaded her up and I said, now here's mine. I said, put it all on mine. I want to bless you. She said, why did you do that? I said, Jesus loves you. And I said, I can. And I want to. Just let me be a blessing to you. I said, I know, listen, I know, I, I'm on budgets, I understand all that stuff, but I said, can I bless you? Yeah, sure. 
She went out of there with about four bags of groceries. And the kids, I promise you, they're going to be on a two-week high, man. <laughs> Every kind of sugar cereal. And... But that's our Heavenly Father. If he could keep you on a sugar high, that's what he'd do. I'm serious. He loves his kids. My grandbabies, same thing. I've got a pantry at home. And the rule is, if the parents are there, they get to rule the pantry. If the parents are not there, I'll rule the pantry. Only rule is this. If we're getting ready to eat, you can't get in the pantry. And if they do, I know, because then they don't want to eat their dinner. I say, oh, you got in the pantry. Now, okay, now we can't have M&M's with our popcorn in a little while. You done messed it up. Oh, come on, Bobby. We're going to find, as we go through the week, that we are free to worship. We are free to live a life that is so free. It's not to do what you want to do. But here, I will say this. God changes you want to. God will change you want to. When you realize how he made you and what he made you to do and why you are here, we are here to make his praise glorious. That we are to be a, a voice in a wilderness, in a land that needs the voice of God. Listen, e even our leaders, listen, bless their heart. They're crying out to God and they don't know it. I'm serious. What they, they don't know what they want. They think they know what they want, but what they want is Jesus. And, and they just need Jesus. I've never seen so much vile in my life, in my lifetime. That's coming out of our government, out, out of our, but it's not just our government. It's coming from our universities. In this state alone, when we got out of, of, of Portland proper and we were driving up, we pulled into a small town, Woodland, uh, Washington, just across the state line. Pulled into Starbucks. I know they're liberal too, but I, still, I like Starbucks. So I pulled into Starbucks and I got my coffee. And they were two of the brightest, precious young people. A young man who sounded like a young man and a young lady who sounded like a young lady. And he said, hey, what are y'all doing here? I said, man, we're headed up to, to uh, Bremerton for a week of revival. And we're going to have a great time. I said, he said, and he talked, man, y'all just missed it by a week. And I said, no, we're here on divine appointment. He said, last week, you know, it was beautiful and weather. I said, no, it's all right. We love it. It's a beautiful place. He said, and without the rain, though, we wouldn't be beautiful. I said, you're right. I mean, he just said, y'all have a great time. Be blessed. And it's awesome. I went. Yeah, that's, that's the people. But it's the idiots in college, the liberal idiots that want to put all this. You get outside these, these mainstream city, and you get into the suburbs where everybody, the real people live, and they love Jesus. They really do. So here's what I'm asking you to do. As we go through this week, I want you to begin to take dominion. I want you to take your place. You don't have to be a radical and stand on the street corner, you know, turn or burn. You, know, you don't have to do all that. Just be you. Just be a light. Allow the light of Christ to shine forth from your life. Take back your place. And you don't have to do it. Well, I mean, there, there is some things that, that you only do by force. But it's power of God. We can't do anything outside his authority and his power. He's the one 
who moves the mountains. He's the one who defeats the enemies. But we're his hands. And we're his feet. Amen. Look at your hands. These are God's hands. Allow God to use those hands. Amen. Father, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for what you're going to do this week. Hallelujah. Lord, I ask you this week to set people free. Set them free. Lord, bring a freedom from, from you know, I even hate to say it like this, from the curses of the enemy because the curses are broken. The shackles are off. Let me tell you one more story, and I'll let you go. My neighbor next door to me had a beagle, had a puppy. And so they didn't have a fence around their yard, so they put one of those invisible fences. And then they put a collar around beagle, around uh, uh, Digby was his name, around Digby, around his neck, so that as he got to that imaginary line, he got shocked. Digby, the beagle. Every time he'd get to that line and he'd start to go across it, he'd get shocked. You'd hear him holler. And he'd get away from it and he'd be fine. So he learned, took him about two and a half, three weeks, that he got anywhere close to that imaginary line, he got a shock. So guess what happened? After about two months, they took the collar off. And they even turned off the invisible fence. But guess what? Beagle never crossed that imaginary line because he knew that boundary. And he had run that boundary in that yard so much there wasn't any grass. He knew that boundary. There are so many believers. They just like that, that beagle. The, the devil, family, people, circumstances. They've had that collar on them so long, and they get up to that imaginary line, and they go, I can't cross that line. I know they have that house over there, but I'll never have that house. I've been wanting that car, but I'll never have that car. I've wanted to have my own business. I'll always work for somebody else. I'll never have that. There's that imaginary line, and they'll never cross it. And the imaginary line's been broken. That line is gone. It's not there anymore. You're free. You're free. When are we going to take the me? I think it's time. What do you think? I'll leave.